Our sermon for the week of November 5th, 2023, the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, is taken from Micah chapter 3, verses 5 through 12. And the theme of our sermon is the pattern of truth and lies from Micah chapter 3. This is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who mislead my people. Give them something to chew with their teeth, and they declare peace. But they declare a holy war against anyone who doesn't put something into their mouths. Therefore, a night without prophetic vision will come upon you. Darkness will come upon you without any omens from God. The sun will set for the prophets, and daytime will become dark for them. The seers will be ashamed, and the fortune tellers will hide in disgrace. They will all cover their mouths, because there will be no answer from God. I, on the other hand, I am full of power from the Spirit of the Lord, full of judgment and strength, to declare Jacob's sinful rebellion to him, and Israel's sins to him. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob. Listen attentively, leaders of the house of Israel. You who have contempt for justice and pervert everything that is right. You who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with injustice. Her leaders render verdicts for a bribe and her priests issue rulings for a payoff. Her prophets foretell the future for silver. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, The Lord is in our midst, isn't he? Disaster will not come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion, will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins, and the Temple Mount will become a wooden, wooded hill. The word of the Lord. Any student of history notices patterns. You see it in the rise and fall of nations. You see it in, in the swing back and forth between one cultural extreme to another. Those who pay attention to fashion see it even in the way fads roll in and out from time to time. But a wise history professor that I had once said, history doesn't repeat itself. It does, however, do impersonations of itself. Because we see some of the same things playing out again and again, it's wise for Christians to look for patterns too. And historically, the church has swung back and forth in what it emphasizes and de-emphasizes, often to its own detriment. It's hard to find the narrow middle. It's hard not to find ourselves getting too close to the ditches by taking something too seriously or taking it not seriously enough. But then there are patterns that are just plain bad. And one of those bad spiritual patterns is revealed to us today in our lesson from the book of Micah. We see God giving his word to his people, his people misusing it and abusing it, God sending a representative in to correct their wandering, the people rejecting the representative, and God taking his word and blessings away from the people. Now let's look at our reading. God had given his people his word and promises over a thousand years before this. It was their pride and joy. They were God's special people, and they took their connection to God seriously. But they had gotten lost. Many times they had wandered off to the temptations of the world around them. And then at one point they wanted to become the world around them. They were governed by God, but the nations of the earth were governed by men. They wanted a leader, a man they could look at and follow. And if we're being honest... They probably even more so wanted a God 
that they could look at and influence. So in their weakness, God gave them a king. But none of the kings of Israel or Judah led as well as God, and most of them were godless men. God still allowed these men to hold the throne, but generation after generation, spiritual rot began to infest their nation. And we see the spiritual rot from the pen of Micah, that reading for today. It seems the leaders, both religious and political, had developed expensive tastes. Their lifestyles required more than what God had set for them to receive by doing their jobs honestly. And so they turned to bribery, taking a payoff for ignoring the sins of other people or, or telling them what they wanted to hear. They were willing to ignore the truth and even proclaim lies for money. They did this by perverting God's truth. They did it by proclaiming a counterfeit peace. God had told them their ways were leading to destruction, but the false prophets, they assured the people no destruction would come. Peace. And these false leaders even became rabid in their aggression toward those who didn't give them what they wanted. And this corruption followed. It had made Jerusalem a city known for its injustice. These people, they loved Jerusalem, not because they were in the Lord's midst when they were in that city, but because it had become a money printer for them. You'd think their consciences would have been killing them. But they thought they could get away with it because they were the chosen people of God. They'd say, the Lord is in our midst. And this mindset, it trickled down even to the common people. So, God sent Micah to call these leaders who were misleading the people to account. But what could one man in a society of sinners do? Micah, he wasn't intimidated. Look what he says in verse 8. He was full of power because the Lord had equipped him with the truth and sent him with his mission. God had done this with, with so many Old Testament prophets before Micah, and he would do it with plenty after Micah as well. In love, he sent people to speak truth in the face of those pushing lies. Micah would be largely rejected, though. People preferred to listen to the leaders who told them exactly what they wanted to hear. Surprise, surprise. And God's promise through Micah that we read here was to remove his word and his blessings. God's response to their rejection would be dire. Darkness would come upon these false prophets. Whatever messages they had been receiving from God before this, no more would follow. The false prophets would be disgraced. All the peace they promised would be revealed as lies. And there would be punishment for all involved. Leaders would be judged for their rebellion against God and their love of the things of this world. The people in Judah would be judged for rejecting God's promises and listening to the prophets of Satan. Mount Zion and Jerusalem would become a barren ruin only 150 years later. As Jerusalem was sacked, the temple was destroyed, and the people were taken captive. But the greatest punishment would be the eternal punishment of unbelief and rejection of God's word and his prophets. Eventually, God brought his people back to Israel. Although by now they had been passed around from empire to empire, they now lived under the Romans. But at least they had the rebuilt temple and the word of God. But 
they were dealing with the same problems that the people of Micah's day 700 years prior had dealt with. Again, they misused God's word. This time it wasn't for money, but for fame and notoriety. Once more, God sent a prophet unlike any he had sent before. He sent the God-man, Jesus. And compare the prophet Jesus to the false prophets described in Micah. Jesus' focus was not on enriching himself. Philippians 2 says, Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed. But he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness, and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was putting himself in a position to lose, to sacrifice, not to gain, not to win, and he was willing to preach truth in the face of destruction. Jesus says in Matthew 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. Jesus had come to pay for sin, so the arrogant needed to be made aware of their sins. There was peace to be found, but it wasn't found in the places that the world was looking. This true peace would come only through him. Of course, we don't have to rehash the rejection of Jesus. He was put to death by the very people he came to save. He was cursed to suffer hell for the sins of the world, yours and mine included. But Jesus was right. Jerusalem would become desolate. They would lose their second temple less than 50 years later. The special promise of salvation through the Messiah would come and now be preached through the, to the Gentiles. More than that, many would suffer hell for their refusal to heed God's message. Friends, be on guard. Because the same pattern plays out again and again, even today. Look at where our ancestors came from. Many of them came on boats from Europe within the last three to five generations. Many were Christians in, in Europe. They went to church. They lived in a very Christocentric culture. But travel to Europe today. And you might have to stop quite a few people on the streets before you find a practicing Christian. You can visit plenty of spectacular old churches, but many of them have been turned into museums of the art and craftsmanship of the last few centuries. Europe was once a land where the gospel of Christ flourished. But they fell into the same pattern of spiritual destruction. And God, in large part, removed his word and many blessings. Now, I'm sure you'll draw plenty of similarities to the shrinking Christianity that's going on in our own country. And you're right. We as a culture are doing the same things that Europe did a century ago. And you might look at government to solve this problem. But Europe didn't lose the gospel because they put the wrong people in charge. They lost the gospel because Christians refused to hold to the truths of God's word. The danger, it's not a societal danger. It's an individual danger. It doesn't matter much if the world around you has fallen into this pattern of rejection and unbelief. It matters if you have. And the danger is real. It would be too easy 
for us to misuse and abuse the word of God that he has entrusted to us, to use it for personal gain. Just a change here or there, and we could construct a religion that even in sin we feel very comfortable with. And certainly God would send his representatives to to correct us. He'd give us leaders from church and loved ones in our lives to call us to the carpet. But it would be all too easy to question who they are to tell us how to live. Our relationship, or lack thereof, with God is none of their business. And eventually, God would pull his word and blessings. If we don't want his truth, he'll give it to somebody else. If you want to avoid falling into this pattern of giving up the truth for lies, then take God's word seriously. When he tells you your sin will kill you, believe him. When he tells you his son is your only hope, trust it. You might think you can give into a few white lies, that you can indulge yourself just with a few little sins. But the lies and sins will enslave you, just as they've done to so many throughout history. Will you be found on the last day, like the people that Micah talks about here, ashamed and covering your mouth because you you feel helpless because you fed the beasts of hell? Or will you, like Micah, stand in the power of the Spirit of the Lord, robing yourself in the gospel of Christ crucified and risen? Amen.